0: Welcome to GOB with Christy and Kathy, where we talk about writing, reading, and life in between. I'm Christy in South Florida. And I'm Kathy in South Dakota. We're two newbie writers who share our love of
1: food, wine, and crime fiction. We have interviews with best-selling and award-winning authors on our Quarks and Conversation episodes.
0: And don't forget our Words and Progress episodes where we have fun writing lessons with writing experts. Join us for today's episode. Welcome to Cork's in Conversation
1: with Lisa Regan. I'm so excited to talk to her, Kathy. I mean, she's written and sold so many books. And I love her
0: latest book, Her Deadly Touch. Lots to love about this book. It's got a great strong female lead um, with lots of depth, Josie Quinn. And if you're new to the series, like I am today, there's a lot to dive into. And uh, can't wait to talk. Yeah. About it. Yeah. I've already
1: jumped back and added book one, The Vanishing Girls, to my um, to-be-read list.
0: I really <laughs> okay. enjoyed it. So before we get to talk to Lisa, let me tell you about her. She is the USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of, as we discussed, the Detective Josie Quinn series, as well as several other crime fiction titles. She has a bachelor's degree in English and a master's of education from Bloomsburg University. She's a member of Sisters in Crime, very important, International Thriller Writers, Crime Writers Association, Mystery Writers of America. And she lives in Philadelphia with her husband, her daughter, and her Boston Terrier, who you might see on her social media if you follow <laughs> along, which you should, Mr. Phillip, very, very formal name for her little Terrier. Lisa's titles have been translated into several foreign languages. Okay, this is the thing I can't wait to talk to her about. She has reached an amazing milestone of 2 million copies sold since the Detective Josie Quinn crime filler series launched in 2018, before this book, Her Deadly Touch, before it was released. So I'm guessing she's a even bigger best-selling author by now. <laughs> Lisa, welcome. It's so nice to talk to you today.
2: Oh, it's a thrill to be here. I'm really excited. I love this podcast, so it's really exciting to to be a guest.
1: Oh, thanks. Thank you. We're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. Um, So I guess before we get started with all the questions, we have to talk about the wine.
0: Yeah, let's be serious. What are we all here to do? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So yeah, so
1: Lisa picked out the Barefoot Rosé, which I could only get the giant bottle. Oh, well. (laughs) Oh, that's a bummer. Problems. I know. I know. But it was still like 10 bucks, you know, and that's in Florida, <laughs> but it, I love it because it's just refreshing, you know, not, not to mention that it's, that it's cheap. And what is great it? Price point. It says, um, I can't hardly read it. Cause I forgot to write this down, but it's ripe raspberry and juicy watermelon. Mm-hmm. At least that's, what i could see of it
0: okay so lisa what do you have you have a different label behind yours
2: yeah only because when i went down to get the rose it was not chilled Mm, Um, yeah so this is notorious pink
1: which Which actually sounds pretty good too to go for mystery writing
2: (laughs) i mean it it tastes similar it's maybe a a little drier Uh um maybe a little more expensive but i love anything rose so (laughs) it
0: does have to be chilled
1: though it really, yeah. That, that, uh, mine's on ice.
0: Mine is too, actually. Because that, you know, in Florida, yeah.
1: everything gets hot. And um, <laughs> and I also put some sparkling water. Some t- Actually, it's club soda well, that's good it because I like the spritzer kind of feel. And also I'm not a fan of the sweetness, but I like it a little bit because now I feel like I just want it tastes like strawberry-ish and I want to have some strawberries in there and
0: well, let's let's do little... cheers to Lisa. Cheers and 2 million
1: copies. Thank so. you.
0: Cheers. cheers to you. Yum yum. Yeah, that's that's, that's going to go
1: down very easy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we better get to some questions. <laughs> yeah.
1: <right. laughs> Cuz I got the big bottle here, Kathy. I
0: know. Taste <laughs> yourself.
1: Okay. Pace yourself. All right,
0: I'll try. <laughs> okay, so I am just um so impressed and um, kudos to you for such a successful series. Thank you. Really. So listen, I'm going to hold this book up again. We're going to do this a lot. Beautiful. (laughs) Her Deadly Touch is number 12. Um, You do have other series and standalones, right? Yes. So how have those kind of played into the Josie Quinn? Because I know you have, well, this is 12 and you have many more coming, right? Yes. They, um, those books were,
2: one of them is a standalone, and then I have um, two that were part of a series that didn't get very far, and then two, a, a part of a series that also didn't get very far. So those books are a little bit darker and more graphic than the Josie Quinn series. So I kind of learned over time what, or I tried to pay attention to what readers liked and what they didn't like and what they wanted and they didn't want, and um, they wanted less, uh, less violence that happens on screen and more Mm -hmm. focus on the mystery. And so that's what I try to do with, with Josie Quinn. And it it has really worked great.
0: You really also share so much about your character, your protagonist and her world, allowing characters to really dive deep. How do you keep that going each time, each book? How do you keep that fresh?
2: Oh, it's just, I always (laughs) try to make Josie grow in some way. Mm. So there's things about her character that will never change. Like she's always going to run toward the danger. She's always going to be obsessed with work.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Does that feel familiar to you at all, Lisa?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, But other than, than those things, the strong sense of justice and that sort of thing, I want her to try to grow with each book. So each case I try to do a little touch on a little bit, uh, how
0: it affects her on a personal level. This one really, it goes yeah. deep into, into her personal life. And um, yeah. Yeah. This is the so- most emotionally
2: intimate that that you've ever seen Josie throughout the whole mm-hmm. series. She's usually I really liked it that though. Stuff I, I did. Yeah. I can I imagine because
1: I could see how she was. <laughs> and I thought it was so interesting the way that you um, showed her trying to come out and, you know, how, it, I thought that and was And trying really... to tamp it down, you know, yeah. like that. Yeah. Like that, <laughs> that those like,
0: emotions can make her they I, you could feel the unmooring that she was facing and didn't like that feeling at all. And I just yeah. I mean I, this is this is my first introduction to Josie Quinn and I am with Christy. I, I'm ready to go back. I oh, thank you. I oh. am I'm in. I wanna I wanna see her from the beginning. And so what I'm wondering is how far along do you know where she's going? Because this is 12. I imagine you're working on what number right now. Right now, I'm on.
2: I'm, I'm still writing 13, only because I fell really behind this year, and so then I'll, as soon as that's, I have a draft of that, and I'll, I'll get started on 14, and then I'm contracted for 20 as long as the fans wow. still want them.
0: Wow. Okay, that's fans, exciting. You, know that? <laughs> you better. Yeah,
1: you gotta, you gotta click
0: that buy button. You want to know what's gonna happen. <laughs> Wow, that so do you have kind of an arc where you see her going in the next eight? I mean, in your mind at least, or Are you just gonna handle it book by book? Well, I mean, a lot of it's book
2: by book. We try to plan like three books ahead in terms of the longer story arcs mm-hmm. with her and the and the series regular characters. But in terms of her own growth, mostly it's it's book by book and and sometimes she'll surprise me by what she learns about herself and, and what she's capable of and what she's not capable of. So it's kind of just fun to get onto the page and let her do her
1: thing and see what happens. Wow, that's fun. That's fun. You know, this is really good crime fiction too, but she's a detective and yes. I was like, how do you know how to you in the mind of a detective? I mean, <laughs> did you, you know, have some previous life we don't know about or did you <laughs> just do a lot of research?
2: Uh, it's mostly research, and I mean, I'm just—I'm very obsessive when it comes to things that I don't know. I, I do like if if a, if a true crime sparks my interest. I mean, I, I will do a deep dive that will last weeks and weeks and weeks. And we had an experience in my family where two of our family members were murdered. So, unfortunately, I had a front row seat to that whole thing. Oh, that's yeah, from the murders to the, through the investigation to the trial and sentencing. Um, and then from, from that point on, I've just always tried to be in touch with, with as many law enforcement members as will talk to me. Um, I do a lot of reading of, you know, biographies or just reference books, or I've taken online classes. I go to um, MurderCon, <laughs> um, which is where they get a bunch of us writers together and they give us classes on forensics and so i just try to like immerse myself into that world and and but i mean for me i mean even before all that research started it was kind of like if a lot of my books have to do with missing people and i was just like if if my person one of my people were missing what would i what, what questions would i be asking because like i said i'm super obsessive so <laughs> i know i would be i try to think of every question
0: i would i would be asking uh, not not unlike a good detective, right? You're going to need to be obsessive to carry that through. I think it's fascinating. I have a small little history of in law enforcement from my former life, and I am fascinated that you, I'm so sorry for your family's tragedy. Thank you. It's rare, honestly, to see a, a case go from all the way investigation through an actual trial and sentencing, because usually yeah. someone plea out. So you saw a very rare front row that most of us don't ever have to, thankfully. Yes. yes. Yeah. But man.
1: I'm also obsessed with the podcasts, like Undisclosed and those, yeah. you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Gotta find
0: out. Oh, why don't you check
1: this? And then they'll be like, okay, so we check this. And I'm like, how do I get <laughs> yeah. a spot on that?
0: <laughs> you, Christy, you've always liked a, a, a true crime podcast because you had told me first, when we first started talking about in the podcast, that was one of the first things you mentioned was all the true crime podcasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's what I, that's how I got introduced to podcasts and there's so many great ones now.
0: I know. Yeah. There's so many now. I don't that's even awesome. know. Okay. Well that was, let's take a drink. I think we need to have Okay. It. Okay.
1: <laughs> oh, it's time for the question in the bottle. Right?
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. So please we always like to take a little break and, and ask kind of a fun, lighthearted question. Something you might get to after the bottle is empty. <laughs> 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 All right, Chris, you got one? Yes, it says
1: what is your favorite way to waste time.
2: Oh, that's a good one. A hot bath. It has to be a hot bath. Oh. <laughs> Just I mean, I'll be in there for a solid hour. Don't don't come
1: oh. knocking.
0: <laughs> that's past prune level. Like you're you're well past. You know I think that that's I
1: think that is it is not a waste of time. No, in my opinion, that is like <laughs> <research>. necessary. necessary, <for, laughs> <Yeah. laughs> necessary for grounding yourself. It is it's so it relaxing. It is. I
0: agree. I thought you were going to say, given your purple wall that way, I thought you might say well, deep diving into friends reruns.
2: <laughs> oh yeah. It's
0: constant.
2: My family is, can't stand it because you know, on TBS friends starts at like 10 AM here. both. Yeah. <laughs> I think 3 30 or 4. And my husband will put the news on and then leave the room. And I'll put the TV on TBS and he'll come back and he'll be like, I did not put friends on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's better than the news though.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I already got all my crime on paper. I don't want to watch it on TV.
0: Like, I need something fun. (laughs) Yeah, I wrote, I'm good. Now you watch Friends. (laughs)
1: Okay, so on with the questions. Um, okay. So I, I understand um, that you spent nearly a decade trying to get into traditional publishing. Mm. And your first book was rejected by over 150 agents and 24 publishers. So obviously, they don't know what they're looking at. <laughs> and now here you are a best-selling author. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about your path?
2: Oh, yeah. It's weird. It's weird that it happened. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, I've been I was writing since I was 11 years old and I had always written like as a as a teenager, I wrote a bunch of really terrible young adult books. And um, and then as an adult, you know, I would say between 18 and 22, I was in college and I wanted to write, but I couldn't finish anything. And um, then I said to myself, you know. If I'm ever going to seriously do the writing thing, then I should be able to finish a book. And so I spent, I think it was a year, writing on loose leaf paper, a book that I called The Space Between. And it was literally me vomiting up every half-cooked idea I ever had, every emotion I ever felt every question I ever asked into this one ginormous manuscript and just cramming it all together <laughs> in ways that didn't even make sense and and at the end it was hundred and forty thousand words and I was like woohoo finished something <laughs> <laughs> and then I I had I reread it and I was like oh this is pretty- <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> and it <laughs> like doesn't know what it wants to be. It's it's like every thought I ever had. Um, so I I put that on a flash drive, I put it in my nightstand, and that that was it. And but I, I knew I could finish something, so I felt good about that. And then I started writing like crime fiction, but I would start and stop, start and stop. And I didn't hadn't really found anything that made me want to keep writing. And then I wrote the f- what became my first published book, which was Finding Claire Fletcher. The first line of that book, it's actually, it's not the first line in the book as it was published, but the first line of the book as I wrote it was a a line of dialogue. It was first time in a bar. And from that line, I sat down and wrote 65 pages. And then I was like, "Oh, this is, I think I have something here. So I wrote that. I was really excited about it. Finished that. That took me two years because I was in grad school and and working like three jobs. So then in 2006, finished it. I started querying agents. I was really excited because the agents were excited about it, and I the, the rejections that I was getting were really positive. And one agent said to me, "This is a home run," and then he still didn't sign me. Oh, <laughs> yeah. So I I was
0: up getting and down. Yeah,
2: up and down. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, what what more does it Take like, do I need to do a walk-off?
1: <laughs> no. Home yeah. run with the bases loaded. Is that what yeah, you
0: yeah. <laughs> it's just So I, I can't wait to hear the rest of the story, but this is so important for up-and-coming writers to hear yes. this. Because it the competition is so 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 severe. And so it is. it's good to give people hope.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was it was insane. And I spent four years trying to find an agent with a book that was obviously good. If, if the rejections that I was getting were glowing. Mm-hmm. So I finally snagged an agent. And then I thought to myself, this was 2010. It was actually the night of uh, when, when Roy Halliday played for the Phillies. It was the night of he pitched a no hitter in the playoffs. I I don't know why I remember continuing with the baseball theme. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, with the baseball (laughs) theme. I got the email while I was watching the game. Uh, so I snagged the agent. I thought, oh, this is great. Like I don't have to wait anymore. Everyone I knew who had an agent, they would be on submissions for like six months and and then they would get a deal. And I thought, oh, this is great. You know, like by this time next year, I'll have a book deal. This this is gonna be like the best thing ever. And then two years, no, no deal. And it's it was the same thing. It was like close, but not close enough. You know, we, we loved the book. The the closest I got was, um, Hachette, which is interesting because I kind of ended up back with them, but they (laughs) said that they absolutely loved the book, but that it, it wasn't realistic that an abducted girl would um, be too afraid to leave her abductor if an opportunity presented itself. Oh man. When in fact, in the book, I mean, she tries multiple times, but well, my agent said to them, like listed the names of all these actual missing children,
1: <laughs> like J.C. Lee Dugard, uh, Elizabeth Smart. Feels like they were like in ancient times or something. Yeah. It seems like everybody knows now that that can happen. You yeah.
2: Know? Yeah. And so finally, this new press that had just opened up, we, we pitched to them and they they loved it and they took it. But the, they, I, they took my first two books, actually. But then the problem was, is that a year later, they they closed down.
0: Oh, um, yeah. And Lisa, <laughs> the fact that you were still having hope and tenacity. So you were writing during this time mm-hmm. while you were doing all this? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a
2: a child and, and um, a full time job and I was still writing at nighttime when she would go to sleep and. You know, well, the, the thing was, is that Finding Claire Fletcher had come out from that small publisher and it, it didn't sell a lot, but it did much better than any of us expected. And so that kind of made me feel like I, I shouldn't just give up on this. So then they they were willing to honor the contracts, which was for, for three years. And then in the meantime, I had written another book. And I kind of said to my agent, like, I don't want to spend two more years in submissions with this. You know, my first couple of books are doing okay, especially from a small press, better than I expected, let's say. And I said, so I I want you to represent this book. But after like nine months, if nobody buys it, then I want it back and I'll just self publish it. And she didn't want to shorten the time frame. And so I, I we said that I said that's fine, uh, you know, understand. And so I just self published the book, you know, it sold five thousand copies pretty fast, um, because by that time I had a, a very small following. That's
1: a pretty good following. It's a pretty <laughs> good following, yeah.
2: For like nobody knew me, mm-hmm, right. you know, small press. And so it had been out for a month, and this editor from Thomas and Mercer contacted me, which is an imprint of Amazon, and she was like. Saw the book, read it, loved it. We'd like to publish it again. And of course I was like, well, hell yes. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yes. You know, and then I had another one of those moments where I was like, this is it, you
1: know.
2: <laughs> and, and well, because
0: so why wouldn't you? You know, yeah, I know you gotta I,
1: celebrate,
0: but yeah.
2: Thomas and Mercer, I was like, they yeah. and they're like mega huge now, but they but you know, back then they they weren't as big as they are now, but you know, they were up there i was mm-hmm. excited so they they published the book and you know it did better than the first two and that editor kept saying to me oh you really need to write a sequel you really need to write a sequel like as fast as you can and i was like as fast as i can like i have a full-time job like I hello kid, yeah. husband, you know i mean fast what does it yeah. mean?
0: <laughs> i was like
2: and i never wrote this book with the intention of of it being a series anyway and so I was kind of like, "Look, you're gonna get what you get when you get it." I don't like really know what to tell you that about yeah, that. Like, I have to
0: make dinner and <laughs> yeah, like, put I my kid to bed. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, um, so then by the time I wrote the sequel, I, I I contact Thomas and Mercer, and like every person had left.
1: Oh. Every person, my
2: editor was gone. And they never told me. She just they just like from top to bottom they had staff change and wow and. So I was like, oh, well, that's awkward, but, um, I have this <laughs> this thing you guys wanted. Yeah. And so, I mean, I forget the name of the gentleman that, that was at that time there, but he was wonderful. I mean, he was really gracious and he was like, of course, we'll, we'll look at it. You know, it's, it's no problem. I'll find a, an editor to take it. Um, and consider it. And so, so he did. He found me a very lovely editor who took a look at it. And then ultimately, they decided that the sales of the first book weren't good enough to, to take a risk on a series. And so I was like, underst- I understand. There's no problem. I self-published that. And that sold, you know, not as well as the Thomas and Mercer book, but it was putting up pretty good numbers for me, you know. And then my my daughter just had like this this lengthy time where she was having all these terrible medical problems and so my writing was just kind of in the in the background and and I was kind of like I don't know what I want to do I, I think I'll just keep self publishing I don't know if I want to work with a publisher anymore or an agent and uh while she was going through all of her you know very serious medical problems I was like slowly writing a sequel to finding claire fletcher so when I finished it I sent it to my friends, my writing friends who always read everything that I write. And they were like, you know, like, this is really good. You've like leveled up. So you really should pitch this to somebody, anybody. And I was like, but I don't want to, I don't want to go through this six year process. You know? uh-huh. I've already I mean,
1: got some readers. A little gun
0: shy at this point. Because that's what you've just read yeah.
1: yeah. And when you've got things in your life, it's like hard to even focus on something. Like yeah. That. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and
2: so I said to myself, "Okay, I've got the book. I'll pick two publishers that I that I would want to work with, and then I'll pitch it to them. And if they say no, I'll self publish it. I'll be very happy." And so I pitched, since it was a sequel and I had the rights back to finding Claire Fletcher, I pitched it to Bookouture, Thomas and Mercer, and the funniest thing was is that Bookouture said that the books were great, but they weren't strong enough, and then Thomas and Mercer said. It was very strong stuff. <laughs> and so Thomas and Mercer was like, we'll, we'll publish them. And, and at the time, I mean, we were drowning in medical debt. Um, and so I was like, I, I have to do whatever I have to do to, to pay down some of this debt. And so I was like, sure, take the books, publish them. That's great. And then in the meantime, Book was like, you know, we don't feel these are very strong, but we would still really love to work with you. Um, which, by the way, like no publisher does. I just want to say that's. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: They don't. It's yeah. like because a- they've got a huge pile. already, yeah. Right. So then they're asking you to.
2: Yeah. Wow. I-, I was like uh, to, to this day, I'm, I'm just amazed by it because and really, I feel like that's the way it should be. You should be looking at the writer, not one book. Do, you, do you know what I mean, because. Mm-hmm. Right. You get it, the way that it's structured now, you get one book, one chance when mm-hmm. some writers over time will definitely get better or write something that will fit and so she said to me send me everything you've got and so I sent her like every half finished uh book I had every idea I had ever had
0: oh my gosh
2: yeah and she read them all and she said um there was one that she really liked it was at the time it was a proposal called for a book called found alive which then became vanishing girls she read it, that proposal and she said to me, if you can write this book and proposals for two more in a series, then we'll talk. At that time, I was home like all the time because my daughter was recovering from these surgeries. And I was like, I'm not letting this like pass mm-hmm. me by. So I, you know, it was like pedal to the metal and wrote the book in three months. And um, I sent it to her with the other two proposals and um, three months. Yeah. Three months. months. Yeah. I mean, it was crap. Awesome. Don't get me wrong. <laughs>
0: <laughs> to be honest,
2: but it was a book. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I sent it to her and she loved it. And they offered me a three book contract and, and then began the editing process.
0: And so that's how Josie was born.
2: That was, that was Josie Quinn. And the really funny thing is, I mean, I tell the story all the time, but it's true. I I really thought after my last two series that failed to thrive that I would publish these three books they would do okay and then I would be right back out there on my own um with another series that failed to thrive so across those first three books it's a very complete story arc for Josie and because I never ever
1: expected her to do that well wow so you're at 12 now Mm -hmm. was this all since 2018 all 12 of these books yes
2: well Oh One God. and two, I wrote in 2017. And then the rest. Are- you
1: don't have a day job anymore. No, no. I okay, good. <laughs>
0: I've never able to do it.
1: I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> and how's your daughter? Is your daughter doing good? She's doing great. Yeah. Okay. And good. I was writing at that pace. It was, it was
2: like 2018 into 2019. I had a full-time job and I was writing like three books a year and I kept getting like all these, having all these medical issues. Like at one point we thought I might've had a mini stroke. I, I go to the neurologist. He's like, tell me about your life. Like, tell him. And he's like, yeah, you need to quit something.
0: Um, stressed out.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, they did all this testing. Everything was normal, but he was like, I, you need to like, stop. You need to pick one thing. No, no. And I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and then. That. I go to the stomach doctor cause I'm like sick all the time and she does the endoscopy. And she's like, I've never seen a person with this much inflammation. And she's like, so tell me, tell me about your life. And I'm like, oh. and then she says, well, you, you need to like pick one thing and do that. Cause you're going to like give yourself stomach cancer. And I was like, but yeah, whatever, you know? And then, and then I'm in the ER for chest pains. And the, the doctor's like, there's nothing wrong with you, you know? And he's like, tell me about your life. And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm not, you know, do you sense a pattern? Yeah. Did you find like, hmm? well then, so my, so then the guy says, you got to go to your cardiologist. So I go to the cardiologist. My husband is there. We're sitting in the room. The cardiologist gets up to get something. There's nothing wrong. You know, he's like, he's like, Thankfully. yeah, he's like, you're it's stress. It's what you have is stress. He said the same thing. You need to pick one thing. And so he leaves the room and my husband is like, like, this is enough now, you know? So what's it going to be? <laughs> yeah. Is it going to be writing or is it going to be your full-time job? And I was like, well, what do you think? And he's like, I think you should do what you want to do, you know, and we'll mm-hmm. figure the rest out, but you just can't continue at this pace. Wow. And I was like, okay, well, I want to, I want to write. And he was like, mm-hmm. Fine. As soon as we get home, you're writing your resignation letter, and that's that. And and that's what we did. Wow, that's so good. Wow, so supportive. And
1: yes,
0: and now it's where it's paying off. I think. (laughs) I hope. Yeah. Okay, so this has (laughs) to lead me into now that you've once you committed just to writing. Yes. Yeah. Not two full-time jobs. (laughs) What's your daily? Do you have a daily grind? Do you have a day like? Are you a pattern person? No, I tried to do that.
2: Um, (laughs) I. So I, what I have figured out in these last two years is that one is I have really weak executive function. So I'm not well, like my brain is not, I'm not well organized. Um, I was like, "Mm -hmm." yeah.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, I've never heard it described that way. Weak executive function sounds. Yeah. It
2: sounds better than flighty as hell. It does. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, I'm not good at being. Or- I'm not. I'm not good at it being organized. And so then I took this class um, with Becca Syme, S-Y-M-E, and it's called Write Better Faster. But it, it doesn't teach you how to write faster necessarily. But what she does is she does all these personality tests and she figures out what works for you and what doesn't. Ooh. And so, so I, I go into the class. We do all this testing, and then I have the one-on-one with her. And she's like, "Listen." here's like 50 things that are never gonna work for you, not ever, so stop doing them now. And I was like, wow, really? She's like, yeah, really, it's a waste of time, stop immediately. And then she's like, I'm gonna tell you what is gonna work for you. And then she gave me like a list of 12 things. She's like, you need to do these things instead. And so what we figured out was that I am like, when I write, it's like giving, it's like gestating and then giving birth. So I will think about my idea and take in lots of other creative things for months before I'm ready to sit down and and write it. And so during that time, I'm I'm outlining, I'm taking notes, I'm going back and forth with my editor, I'm thinking about the, the book all the time. And then at some point, like four to six weeks before the first draft is due, that's when I sit down and and. And then I write it. And then for like that time, I don't do anything else. Like my family knows not to talk to me. My husband just slides food across my desk, goes <laughs> back for the empty plate. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm, I don't take phone calls. I don't go to things. I don't do anything wow. except for that. And for me, I know it sounds stressful, but it's so much less stress. Because I'm like, this is my process and this is, and it always gets done.
1: Yeah, I I can see that because it's when you have so many other things around that you get distracted. And I mean, I don't think I could write a whole book in that short (laughs) period of time. But I do remember when I finished the one that I finished, it was like I had to do the same thing. I just had to say, okay, all you people that call me all day long and do all this (laughs) I'm not answering the phone till this time of day. And I just, you know, and yeah. that's the only way, you know, because you just yeah. immerse yourself in it.
0: Yeah, it's an immersive thing. I love the concept of what this um say her name again. Becca Syme. Becca Syme. We'll have to put that link on our Yeah,
2: she will revolutionize mm-hmm. your um, I am. Um
0: I'm in.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. Because I try yeah. to do the everyday sit in my and I do, I do sit at my desk every day for a few hours, but most of the if if it's not in that crunch period what I'm doing is research I'm outlining I'm just writing down notes I'm like writing questions so it's just like a very free form um kind of thing with very you know very little structure and let's you know me be creative and 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 that sort of thing and then by the time I sit down to write I mean the book's pretty well mapped out it's just a matter of going scene by scene Mm -hmm. and writing it.
0: Love the concept of knowing yourself and then doing what works according to that. Yeah,
2: that is, I mean, that's just
0: beautiful. We're going to have to do that. I know. Once you take
2: the guilt out of it, it's like, it's (sighs) the best experience.
0: What a concept. So (laughs) I have to ask now, especially with what you just described. Yeah, take a drink. My God, we all need to take a drink. (laughs) (laughs) I need a drink after that big story. That's so good. So what is now the best part of the writing life for you? The best part is the flexibility. Mm.
2: Honestly, because my, like during the time when my daughter was having, she was having surgeries and had to go to physical therapy and and there were so many appointments and it was like, I had to, I mean, my boss was uh, the most wonderful, generous human being. uh, I mean, on earth with me, with, with all of that, you know, And and so I was very, very, very lucky to have a boss who was like, do what you need to do and your job will be here Mm. because other, I mean, I don't know what would have happened to us if, if he hadn't been like that, Mm -hmm. but I always felt guilty because I'm missing work and things need to get done at at the office, you Mm -hmm. know, and, and I would be in a doctor's office, have the calls forwarded to my cell phone, trying to, you (sighs) know, take the calls and be at this appointment. And, and so it's really nice now to have the flexibility where if I need to take her to an appointment, I can, or just, just anything, you know, my, my mom was diagnosed with metastatic breast cancer and, and now I can take her to her appointments if I need to. I mean, the the flexibility of being able to be there for the people
1: Mm -hmm. in my life is just like, it's liberating.
0: Mm, That's That's beautiful. Yeah,
1: that's beautiful. All right, Christy, before we go, we have one final question that we ask all our authors. Which of your characters would you like to share a meal with? And what would it be?
2: I would like to. I, I mean, this is so cliche, but um, it would have to be Josie. And then I would ask her about all the stuff that, you know, I don't know yet. <laughs> <laughs> and it would probably be seafood because she likes seafood. And so do I. Mm.
1: So do I. I do too. I'm hungry now.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Okay. So great. listen,
0: let's hold up this book one more time. Her Deadly Touch, number 12, in Josie Quinn. It's out now. It's been out since August. Yes. And go get it. It's fantastic. And
1: then you'll have 11 more to read yeah. after that.
0: <laughs> I loved this book. Thank you. I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. And I can't wait to go back now and start all over at the beginning. <laughs> so great when you have a huge backlist. I know. I know. I'm so excited. I love that. So, our listeners are going to want to know more about you, Lisa. Like, so where should they go to get their answers that they want to know about?
2: Um, probably the, the central location, which will take you anywhere else you need to go, would be my website, which is www.lisaregan.com. It's L I S A R E G A N.com. And I just want to say really quickly um, if you're on Facebook, you should come over. And uh, follow my Facebook page, my author page, even if you don't read my books, because we do giveaways over there mm. like, like several times a week. We do mugs. We do swag. We do if I or my assistant, if we find a, a book that we love or an author that we love, we will give away their books because we want other people to read them. Oh. So don't even have to come for me. just come <laughs> the giveaways.
0: We will um, we will put that link has. in all of our information, too, because that is super awesome. I got to tell you, it's been a fun conversation mm-hmm. could do it. Again. I it would be. But thank you.
1: <laughs> Cheers. Cheers, Lisa. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Subscribe to our podcast on our website, Game or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you liked what you heard, you can give us a five star rating or review.
0: You can also subscribe on YouTube where you can watch and listen.
1: On GameAbookspodcast.com, you can find all the information about what we talked about on this episode, and you can sign
0: up for our newsletter and enter our fun contests and giveaways. We also post our stories and links on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Hope to see you there. I can guarantee you that we had fun today. And we hope you did too.
1: Cheers.